Fundamental Life Podcast. All right, y'all. Well, welcome back to the Fundamental Life Podcast. We are on episode, uh, what number are we on? I got to look it up. What is nine. it? Nine. Nine. No, episode nine. Um, yeah, we're stoked to be here. Matthew Arnold, Stephen R. Saxton. Ta-da. Matthew, how you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. A little sore, but I'm good. You were telling us a story about uh, uh, before we started up here, but you said stuck in your craw. What the hell is a craw? It's like the thing in the top of your mouth. That's oh, what is it always, really? Yeah, I think it's like an animal thing. Like That's your craw, huh? Yeah, I think so. Huh. I learn something new every day. But I think it's like, a, a, I don't necessarily think it's like a human thing. I think it's more like an aminal. Cow? No, they, yeah, I don't know. But maybe a bird? Yeah. Um, I'll have to look it up. It's funny because you hear, we hear these statements, we use these statements, and then you're like, well, I don't even know what the hell that even means. Maybe I should find out before I keep using it. Man, it sounds good, <laughs> so I use it anyway. You know, people are like, do you know what that means? It's like when I was a little kid and I could used to call people names. Uh, when I was in second grade, my teacher asked me, she's like, do you even know what that means? I was like, I have no idea. My brother uses it all the time, and it sounds really <laughs> kick-ass. So, like, yeah, that dude's a dicklet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that talk with my kids. We won't we won't mention the names or the derogatory terms, but uh, as you get older, you should probably find out what those are. So what are you looking up on your phone there? I was looking up what a craw is because we just talked about it. Uh, we're, you're probably, are we wrong? I don't know. It's the, it's the crop of a bird. The stomach of a person. Okay. Oh, the stomach. So it's not or that. animal. Okay. Huh. Mm. Well, if if anyone has anything to add to that, shoot us a shoot us an email or text. Um. All right. Let's get uh, let's get rock and rolling. So we've got uh, every day, man. We have so many topics we could cover. We kind of have no set guidelines from Ooh. our various sponsors as to what we what were you gonna say well you just like he cut out for a second like the headphones oh, oh no worries yeah we have uh you know our various sponsors don't really care about what we talk about we're not worried about losing any of our sponsors but if there are any out there we could pick some <laughs> <laughs> nah. yeah but uh today is uh we're gonna dive into a little bit about um employment and uh not necessarily loans and employment but uh some of the listeners have, have reached out to me chatted with me about uh, our podcast things they enjoyed things like that and um i kind of want to talk about our journey a little bit and so i'm going to lead you into this you don't even know where i'm going matt but mm-hmm. you're a good storyteller so i'll let you tell the story okay so when we started in uh, lending uh, Matt and I worked at a different company together, small, small company here in the Salt Lake Valley um, after I departed the car business with my family. And after being there for, oh, it was less than a year, Matt approached me and he was like, hey, I'm leaving or we're going to go out on our own. And I was like, dude, I'm not quite ready. <laughs> I need to learn more. <laughs> So he gave me a 90-day window, and uh, after 90 days, you know, we we pushed the ship out to sea and did our own thing. But during that process, um, we had some conversations with people, 
one of those was uh, one of those was my dad, and I was young. I didn't really know, you know, much of anything really. Um, was learning how to do loans at a rapid pace, but take us through that conversation with like what happened with uh, when we were going through that. Oh yeah, so like I, dude, seriously, I love your dad, like Billy Bob. He's he is one of those guys that. Uh, whether he realizes it or not, like he's a mentor just by being a pimp, you know, just the way he carries himself, the, his, his, uh, work ethic, different things like that. And I know like, uh, sometimes as a son, you know, when people say, Oh yeah, I love your dad. I look up at your dad. It's like, dad, shut up. <laughs> but he, uh, he sat us down and like one of the things that he told us, it was, um, uh, that you can only count your real friends on one hand. He's all, when you get to my age, you can only count your friends on one hand. And uh, your true friends on one hand. I was like, whatever. Can't count all my friends on my fingers and toes, man. I, like, <laughs> I got more friends than I need to know what to do with. I got friends everywhere. And uh, he said, you two have that. And he's like, don't. He's like, if you're going to go out on your own, and he lent us some money. Um and uh to be able to open up and it was it was to me it was a lot of money like when we came to him i'll never forget we we weighed everything out and it was 15 grand and it was Ooh. like yeah Ooh. and i was like man we need to you know we we had it to the penny like exactly we weren't gonna go one red cent over we knew how many highlighters we needed yeah <laughs> two <laughs> exactly and then we we rounded up. We're like, well, okay, well, maybe we should just round it up because it was like fourteen thousand eight hundred and thirty-two dollars. And anyway, so we rounded up to fifteen grand. And he's like, okay, I'll lend you this money on this one condition: is that you never let um, money come between you guys. You choose your friendship and uh, everything first, and you make sure that uh, you keep that friendship because. He's all, it's a rarity to have a friend like this. And so you don't want to blow it by going into business together because they say the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. Ding. Did so, he say that to us that he did. day? He did. I didn't know if we, yeah, he did. That's right. That is the origin of that. And he was, uh, he, he just really laid down like some good solid like, you know, uh, ethics as far as a partnership is concerned. And, like, the the crazy thing about that is I look back on it now, 20 years later, and I think to myself, he was kind of trying to talk us out of it. He was. I remember he was not super positive about, um, and that wasn't because he didn't want both of us to succeed or, you know, being my dad, it wasn't like he didn't like you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, uh, oh, man, what was he, 56, 57 years old at the time? He'd probably seen a lot of partnerships. And that statement, a lot of ships that don't sail are partnerships because they break up inside of two or three years. There's some dishonesty, you know, involved with one of the partners. Uh, one has a stronger work ethic than the other. And for us, it's never been about the money. That's kind of the fabric of who we are, I think. Um, we like to 
see each other succeed and we like to succeed within our own right. But, um, that money, that was, that was, those were, that was good advice. It was really, really good advice. And I, like, I thank my father for that. And I think that we have lived our professional life that way. Um, but it's, it's tough. Like when you look at partnerships, uh, is it safe to go into business with somebody? Do you really know, you know, what's in their DNA? I I don't know. You know but I think that's why a lot of them fail. Oh, absolutely. And like, um, it, it's, it, it's funny is uh, after we had our partnership, like we opened and we had everything done. Like I was chatting with, with my dad and he's got his views on different things as far as like life and, uh, He's all, whoa, you're 51% owner, right? I was like, no, no, we're 50-50. And he's all, well, are you supposed to have the final decision? I'm like, well, I I don't. And he's all, well, and then his head almost exploded. He's like, well, what are your responsibilities? I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of like the office cheerleader. He's all, well, <laughs> he's all, well, what, what Steve do? I'm like, oh, yeah. Janitor. I'm like, he, he's a janitor. He, he handles the books. He's like, well, you double check them though, right? I was like, <laughs> and I looked at him and I, and I was like, dad, I don't even know our bank account number or our pin number or anything. So no. And he was, dude, <laughs> he was just like, you got it. What? <laughs> and like, he was just so discombobulated by the mere fact that I was like, no, I just trust Steve like unequivocally. And he's like, he couldn't believe it. And like years, years have gone by and like, we've, we've talked about it and there's been things that have happened, um, in my life personally, where the business has, um, in our relationship taken the back burner and we've always focused on that friendship. And like I told, um, somebody like years ago. Uh, that if I showed up to work one day and everybody came to me and were like, hey, dude, Steve's gone, he's in Mexico, and all the bank accounts are empty, I would say, well, probably had a good reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's a lot of faith, man. I feel like a lot of pressure's on me. Well, it's... <laughs> it, it's it, it's just because that's, like you said, it's in your DNA. And I, it's one thing that I've never, I've never looked at. I've never questioned. I've never had to. Well, I appreciate that. It's, those are, those are kind words. Um, going back to my father and this conversation that we had with him, I think that, uh, uh, his advice is probably rings true most of the time. Um, partnerships are, are tough. I've never been in one that's failed, so I'm just assuming they're tough, but I do see a lot fail. I had a client that I had a conversation with yesterday, uh, literally two o'clock yesterday afternoon. Um, he was in the car business, friend of mine, and he'd been in the car business for 20 plus years here in the Salt Lake Valley, moved to St. George, oh, about three years ago. We did his financing for him down there. And talking to him yesterday, I was like, bro, how is the car business? I heard you guys are absolutely slaying it. And just a little uh, pause. He's like, man, I'm not in it anymore. And he had moved down there to go into partnership with two other people, dealership there in St. George and in Las Vegas. And uh, without getting into the details of it, 
Um, there was a lot of dishonesty and it failed in less than three years, two and a half years. And so uh, I've seen it kind of firsthand, not just that, but multiple times with our clients. We see the repercussions of it sometimes. But what I want to kind of dive into, um, well, and before I do that, like when we talk about um, kind of our love for each other, not to get all, you know, romantic. <laughs> but I, I think that uh, uh, that door swings both ways. Like the work ethic that you bring to the table and I've talked about it on other podcasts is second to none and our talents are different you know we both excel in different areas but uh, uh, I appreciate your work ethic because it's been kind of a beacon through those tough years and most uh, recently you know you've kind of been that dude that's out in the front with the banner I think that's what uh, has got us through some difficult times I mean, I'll be honest, like, shit, I'll just be blunt. To have worked through 07, 08, and 09, the, there's really nothing that intimidates me, scares me, or anything in, in reference to business because we made it through that, and we're better because of it. And I think that goes for a lot of business owners. But what I want to dive into, because some of our listeners um, that are young um, – they're working in an industry that's completely not related to finance, but uh, they're wage earners. They're paid hourly. They're paid salary. And I know how wage earners are. I know the guy who's just working an hourly rate. He's like, he thinks his boss is a dumbass. They usually are, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he's like, man, why, why does Joe do it this way? If I was the owner, I would do this. Like, why, why, does, why do they do it this way? Why can't we do it, you know, my way? And it's like... Those are, that's easy. It's easy to, to be pointing fingers. And sometimes it's tough to, to steer the ship, so to speak. And there's usually more that goes into those equations. But um, as a wage earner, let's say um, any old industry that you're in and you are unhappy, you think that maybe you can do it better. Maybe it is an opportunity for you to step out on your own and dive into that world within your own business right? Create something for yourself. Utah is very well known for self-employed people. Um, I think before we got, so think about that for a sec, cause I want to dive into that. But I think that Utah is, is unique in the fact that we do have a lot of self-employed individuals, but I also think that, um, and maybe this is the internet, maybe it's uh, social media has created this vibe around being an entrepreneur is super sexy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, a lot of kids, um, they want to cash out, bro down, so to speak. They want to create something and sell it off on Kickstarter four years from now. And it's like, it's an idea in their head and it sounds really, really easy. And they kind of go that route. But I think that there's this mentality that uh, everybody is an entrepreneur. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm going to use it because that's what's coming to mind. So... Do you know what the definition of entrepreneur is? No idea. Gambler. Really? Yes. An entrepreneur is a gambler. And that's where it comes from. It comes back from like the old, what is it, uh, gold panning, you know, 
because you're really? an entrepreneur. You're, you're out gambling. You're a plethora of knowledge, too. You're like a walking Webster's. Uh, not, not really. I'm just full of a lot of like useless information. I wouldn't say it's useless. That's I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of cool. like Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Trebek, bro. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's this mentality of like, I can go do this. I can do it on my own. And may, maybe... I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of tools available because of the internet, and I'm not poo-pooing or like smashing anybody that has to do that or, or has that idea. What I'm saying is that there uh, is some things you should be aware of. There's some things that, um, well, you say for example, if entrepreneur means gambler, what are you gambling on? Are you gambling on your idea? Are you gambling on your ability to do it better than the place that you currently? work at in that skill or trait or are you gambling on yourself because i don't care if i'm selling coke cans or rocks like i'm not gambling that the rocks better than anybody else's my gamble would be that i'll i will sell it or present it better than anybody else and so there's just a, there's some pitfalls and i want to kind of dive into that a little bit because i think it's an interesting conversation i wish marcus you should be on the mic with this man He's shaking his head. He doesn't want to be on the mic. <laughs> but uh, we've we've all been through uh, this journey, the three of us here. So, I mean, what do you what do you say to that guy who is working uh, a job? What's your advice to that person? You know, really, like, you know, to back up even where we were at twenty years ago, that was something that we looked at. You know, we felt like that we could do it better. Um, I would, before you step out on your own and flip the bird to the man, I would look around and see what your actual benefits are from being a W-2 employee. And that's where you, you kind of, like, I, you know, being, being your own boss and being uh, an owner of a company, it's uh, one of those things where, there's a great quote that says, I work twice as hard for half the money. <laughs> and it's like, you know, in a lot of ways it's true. You know, if we back up to 2007, 8, 9, I mean, you and I would go months without paychecks. But our employees always got full paychecks. And the bills were always paid. And, like, that was, uh, that was that's something that you look at that we – we had to gamble on that if we would have, I don't know, taken and uh, taken that money, we could have lived more comfortably. Could have gone to Mexico. Yeah, you know, <laughs> through 07 and 08. But we, you know, gave those benefits to our uh, our employees. Now, not everybody's like that, but uh, that's something that you want to look at as a W-2 employee. Is like, hey, what other ancillary things am I not taking into account that's maybe not in my hourly wage what would be the first thing what's number one in your eyes that because for, for me I'm like I'm as you're talking I'm thinking number one for me is risk number like it is number one what is your appetite for risk um and I, I, again, we could take any industry, but when you are a wage earner, the boss, the owner, uh, doesn't matter if you work for a big company that's, you know, traded publicly 
or a small one with less than 50 employees. Um, as an employee, your only risk is that you don't perform at your job and you lose your job, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's your risk. Um, you could get fired that there's a risk of that always. Um, but if you perform well and the company's solid, like chances are you're going to get a paycheck, uh, not chances. You are going to get a paycheck on the first and the 15th, any other ancillary benefits, health insurance, 401k match, those type of things. When you're self-employed or when you go out on your own to do that same trade or task or sell that same product, all that risk falls on you. Um, it's not just a risk of, you know, am I going to lose my job? It's the risk of, am I making the right decision every day, mm -hmm. every minute for the growth of my little empire, right? And there's a large amount of risk there. We see uh, a lot of people that go broke, they go bankrupt. They lose everything they have because they thought they could do it better. We also see people that go on and succeed and do extremely well and quadruple their income because they do do it better, right? Yeah. It's not always like we always, or I always use the phrase, um, people probably don't even remember MySpace. <laughs> right. MySpace or Napster. Um, MySpace was an original social, social media platform back in the early 2000s, and it was really clunky and zero oversight, zero control, but you could get on there and create these pages for yourself. Well, then eventually along came Facebook and then Instagram and all these other social media platforms. But MySpace was one of the originals. MySpace is gone. Yeah. It's say la vie, but they were, it's, don't mean to cut you off, but I really wish I could go back and get my MySpace page because dude, they always, they, those things were epic. They were man. awesome. They were all, you could, it was like, you could do anything you wanted on there yeah. and <laughs> create anything, but MySpace is gone. And then uh, another one in the music industry was Napster. It was free uploads, free downloads. There was zero oversight as to what was uploaded, what was downloaded. And it was just like the damn wild west of music. And quickly um, the music industry realized, hey, our stuff is being pirated at a, at a rapid pace. Nobody's paying anymore. And then fast forward, now you've got Apple Music, you've got Pandora, you've got Spotify, you've got all these other uh, networks that are out there, but uh, Napster does not exist. There was Morpheus and a few other ones that were just like the wild west of downloads of anything you ever wanted, but LimeWire, Lime Wire, Napster's now gone. And so first to market isn't always the one who's going to succeed, um, and there's other examples, but can you take an idea and go and do it better? Absolutely. And we're talking about like huge companies, but that goes the same uh, in a private sector. Um, let's say for example, you uh, work for a, a production company like Marcus, for example, and you're like, man, I can do it better than this. Well, just know that Marcus likely has hundreds of thousands of dollars of production equipment. And that's an investment that you would need to make if you were going to go out on your own because you're unhappy and if you fail, unless you have the money to pay for all that up front, um, you probably are going to have loans and credit lines and things like that. And if you fail, you go broke. Now, if you're just working for somebody and getting a paycheck, you don't take on that risk, but I'm not. And I want to look at this from both perspectives because there definitely is uh, some opportunity to do things better. 
and to take your talents and go and improve on the way you were taught or the way that you're working. But from my experience, it's twice the work, at least for a short amount of time, for half the money. Can there be a jackpot? Or not even a jackpot. Can there be an increase in your revenue? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but there's a lot of risk there when it comes to that. Um, the risk is um, it's massive. And that's, I mean, that's a that's the biggest thing is whether or not you're willing to put a, push all your chips into the middle. And really, that's, uh, I look at where we were at when we opened. Um, we got that 15 grand from your dad. We had like $800 in the bank account. I had enough in my personal bank account to make my next month worth of bills. <laughs> I had one month saved up and I was like, yeah, y'all, we got this. <laughs> but it's, uh, we were willing to risk it. And a lot of it, risk it for the biscuit. That's right, man. And they, it, a lot of it had to do with, I think, our age. I mean, naivety. Yeah. And like we were too dumb to fail is basically how I, I look at it. We had just, you know, uh, a lot of faith in ourselves and our ability and different things like that. But the biggest was I was um, the ripe old age of 24. No, no. 23. 20. 23. Let's see, 24. I had just turned 24. I was 24 by one month. And so you look at it in the aspect of that I was, if I would have lost everything, I was still in a position I could start over. Now, today I'm 44. It's 20 years later. If somebody came to me and said, hey, dude, let's go open a new company. You need to leave everything behind and you have one month in the bank. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it because now I have other people who count on me, other people who expect me to knock out that light bill. And so that's where, to your point, risk, can you risk it? Do you have a safety net? Do you have something that is going to get you through if your business plan doesn't work? Yeah. Risk it for the biscuit. Such a great saying. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that uh, when you look at the journey that I think a lot of youngsters, uh, young people, I should say, find themselves on, I am a big, big, big advocate for uh, for these uh, uh, entrepreneur, not entrepreneurships. Uh, what am I saying? Going and working with oh, somebody. Oh, internship. In internships, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. um, finding out if you actually like what, you know, what you're going to go do. But if you're going to go out on your own or if you think that you can do it better, my advice, when we started, I had no idea what was really going to come with the mortgage industry. I had no idea. what. I mean, rates were going up mm -hmm. when we opened. Um, we didn't have these beautiful, sexy connections as far as like bringing loans in the door. My advice is that if you're going to go out on your own and you have a good idea or you think you can do it better, um, don't bet on the market, bet on yourself. Like your, your risk should be, um, on your work ethic. Does that make sense? Your risk should be on your ability to go without so that you can hopefully do better than working for somebody else. And you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're self-employed, there's no, 
there's no boss paying your health insurance. Mm-mm. Um, I bring that up because when we opened, my oldest was a ripe two months old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that hit me in the face. We had to you know, deal with health insurance. Um, there's nobody paying, you know, retirement fee or funds for you or any of that stuff. So you, you, you actually do need to make substantially more. There's nobody matching your FICA, all these things. Um, it kind of all falls on you. Dude, so we got to just digress on into taxes for a second because oh, man. we were so oblivious, dude, totally. Like that's the whole thing is here I am. I work in mortgage. I look at taxes. I, you know, I analyze taxes, but I dude, I was 24. I didn't really understand the whole thing. And so we opened in 2000 and it, uh, in April of 2001, we sat down with our accountant and she like does our taxes and hands me my tax bill. I was like, what the hell is this? She's like, well, this is how much you owe. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm self-employed. I don't pay taxes. That's like self-employed people don't pay taxes. <laughs> we was like, homie, say what? Everybody pays taxes. <laughs> like, no, I'm self-employed. And she's like, no, this is what you owe. I was like, why don't I have that? I don't have that. She's like, well, what'd you do with it, man? I'm like, I spent it. <laughs> All of it. She's like, you know. Well, you didn't set aside anything for taxes? I was like, no. <laughs> Self-employed people don't pay taxes. But guess what? They do. They, they pay a lot in taxes. And, like, there's things you can write off. There's certain things that you can, you know, put uh, different places to make it uh, that you get some tax benefits from being self-employed. But the age-old adage of, oh, I'm self-employed, I don't pay taxes, that everybody seems to think not the case. Not even remotely the case. Not true. Not true. Yeah. Because you, you have to pay. There's self-employment tax, and which is basically uh, your FICA that isn't being matched. You have, um, you have to do state, federal. Like there's, there's so many different ways that you can file your tax returns. But at the end of the day, you pay taxes. And it sucks. Yeah. There is no tax refund for M. Arnold or S. Saxton. Like every year, it's like, even if you, that's the great thing, even if you pay too much in taxes, the IRS just keeps it. And they say, well, you'll owe us taxes yeah. next year. <laughs> and it's like, but, but I overpaid. Don't I get a refund? And I'm like, no, no, we'll just keep it. We'll just apply it to next year's bill. Yeah, we see tax uh, uh, liens on houses all the time. Because people haven't paid their taxes, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe they're they're probably dumb as us. It's like, homie, say what? <laughs> yeah, I have that, no idea. So they get these tax liens because they just didn't save the money. You know, we just work double time. We're like, man, I gotta work for the first four months so I can pay the IRS <laughs> from last year, dude. Seriously, <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah, it was. So my my advice is bet on yourself. And when it comes to uh, having going into business with someone. What does uh, that person, how do they compliment you, you know? And, but the number one thing is not necessarily their talents. It's not necessarily, uh, I mean, it could be their work ethic, but it's not, it's trust. That's the number one thing. It's a marriage. And if you can't trust your spouse, it's going to be tough to go to the grave with her because some shady things are likely going to happen. 
And a partnership is very, very similar to that. And there has to be a trust. Now, are there benefits to going into business with somebody? Absolutely. Because if I have an idea and I'm like, yeah, we need to do this, bro. It's that, it, this is what we need to do. And Matt's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, dude. We're not doing that. And I'm like, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest though. Like most of the time that you have an idea, it's a good one. And we implement it. I my, don't have very many ideas. That, that's why. Like my ideas, they're, they, they're like daily. They're like every 45 minutes. I'm like, hey, bro, I think we should do this. And Steve's like, yeah, let, okay, we'll put a pin in that. And then I forget like by the next day that I even brought that up. That's my tactic. I know. It's funny. <laughs> but it's like when I get something really rolling, dude, I'm like, he's like, dude, Seriously, you got to stop the ready, fire, aim crap, man. It's like, that that's the one thing. Steve's, a, he's the even keel guy. Like, he doesn't, you know, he get, like, somebody who's too even keeled, like, they're hard to trust because you're like, dude, you're going to blow at any given moment, you know. Steve, he's he, he he's up and down, but he's, for the most part, he doesn't, he's, you know, just a slow roll where I have these gigantic spikes, you know. <laughs> but there's, having a partner is really nice, and the reason I bring that up is because if you're running your own company and you're steering the ship and um, nobody has the balls to tell you within your organization or maybe you're just a one-man show trying to get going, um, there's nobody there saying, dude, can't you see that iceberg? Like, it's you're headed straight for it. And if you've got your blinders on and you're working, you can steer that thing right into the iceberg and if you do have people there maybe they just don't have the balls to tell you that your idea is bad because they don't have risk i mean if the company succeeds and and blows up they're going to make more money if it fails they'll just quit and go work somewhere else so having a partner or 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 two or three partners is a good thing as long as you have the trust there because they will help to guide you from stupid decisions or um, maybe bring some other ideas to the table, but um, they're, they're rare. And so I, I appreciate our partnership. It's been uh, really, really good for our business. And I think that's what has got us through some difficult times. And I think that's why um, we flourished when we've been able to. So my advice, bet on yourself. And uh, uh, don't be afraid to, to go out and, and do your own thing. I, I believe that they're... Uh, are a lot of good mentors out there. Choose your teachers wisely. I say that all the time, but I think that is uh, eliminating the noise in your life and the bad advice is number one, and then finding out who those teachers are. So if you're young, 22, 24, 25 years old, maybe you've graduated college, maybe you've thrown school to the wind and you're trying to figure out just what in the hell you're going to do, um, write down three people, five people. Go sit down with them, talk to them, find out how they like their job. What do they do during the day? Um, don't be so concerned with income. If you're good at what you do, the income will flow and you'll be fine. But find out what they did to get there, what they like about their job, what they hate about it. And I guess the reason that I want to have this conversation is because I think a lot of people, excuse me, I think a lot of people end up in fields and they're just kind of pigeonholed, dude. They get the kids, they get a mortgage. And they're doing IT or they're working somewhere and pretty soon they're handcuffed. They can't take any risk and they don't really like what they do and their lifestyle sucks. And they don't have that work-life balance that Marcus has talked about. 
Um, and they're just, they're just sad and that's sad to watch. So explore, you know, find out, get on Google, talk to the people that, you know, go and sit down and interview some people you respect and you'll make better decisions because of that. I agree. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I look back and I even, you know, with, uh, our decision to become self-employed. I mean, it was one that I've never really looked back on and like regretted, you know, because it's uh, it's definitely had its ups and its downs. It's not as sexy and as awesome as everybody thinks, you know, being self-employed is like, you know, uh, taking time off work. Everybody thinks they, oh, yeah, dude, you, you can come and go as early as you want. It's like, nah, that's not how it works, man. We Like if I'm not here, I'm not getting paid. You know, it's not like I have this big empire underneath me. And, uh, but that's, that's the industry we're in. Now, if we were in a manufacturing industry, it'd be different, you know, where you have people like, you know, like Bezos that he does. I mean, he pays his that people. so loaded. Yeah. He pays his people 30 grand a year and freaking makes, uh, he makes $30,000 by putting on his socks. I mean, in like three seconds, he made 30 grand. But it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, being self-employed is a good thing, but being a W-2 employee is also a good thing. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, like uh, I look at my brother and uh, I, he, he's got a double master's degree, graduated from BYU. He works for the Arizona State Government. And uh, he's moved around. He was in ADOT, and then he was in the school facilities board, and then he was the uh, budget director for the state uh, during 2007-8-9 under Jan Brewer. And, uh, and oh, I always forget her name, Neopolitan, the other chick that went on to the Obama. Janet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And that watching him in that position of, um, you know, uh, the budget director that aged him probably 12 years, I would say, in like a matter of months. And then now he is over the um, he's on the board of regents. So he oversees like all the collegiate stuff in the state, you know, any state run uh, university or college. And the craziest thing about that is he is on a W-2 and he is happy with that job and I'm happy for him. I mean, he's got a double master's degree, went down there and that's what he wanted to do. And he started off making $30,000 a year and now he's the head of board of regents, but he gets freaking ridiculous benefits as far as uh, insurance. Like when my last son was born, my hospital bill was 7500 bucks. Um, his was a $10 copay for his wife's entire pregnancy, the birth, the epidural, like everything, 10 bucks. He has, um, retirement. He has pension. He has all of these other benefits and he does well, but he also gets 30 days or it's four weeks paid vacation a year. And you think about that. I mean, it's like, Hey, I'm taking this week off deuces like if I take a week off it's like it takes me a month to plan to be able to maneuver and make sure that 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 week off is going to work so you know that's the whole thing is when you look at what is it 
What is it I want? Now, some people, they kill it, you know, being self-employed. Other people, they grind it out every single day. I look at uh, my other brother who is a physical therapist, and he's self-employed. And that dude grinds and drives and visits and, like, paperwork at night, paperwork during the day. And, I mean, he does well. Don't get me, get, get me wrong. It's, uh, it's a great thing for him. And I'm grateful that I'm self-employed. But, you know, there, there are definite benefits as far as uh, being a W-2 employee. And I see a lot of kids, they just want to run out and be like, oh, I'm going to be self-employed. I'm it's like, what are you going to do? What are you studying in college? Business. Cool. What are you going to do? I'm going to be a business man. Business. I'm going to be a business I'm going to put man. my business socks on and just get her done. That's right. I'm going to be a millionaire. Cool. How are you going to make a million dollars? Business. Business. <laughs> That's what my degree's in is business. I'm going to open one and I'm going to slay it. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do in business? Business stuff. <laughs> I'm going to wear a tie and be a business man and make a lot of money. <laughs> That's what, branch that, manager. That's right. That's, that's what I always used to say is people would ask me, they're like, um, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire. And they're like, oh, yeah, how are you going to do that? I'm like, piece of cake. Walking in the bank, pull out my gun, say, everybody on the floor. <laughs> There's uh, something in the air, man, with uh, this generation. And I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to be that old guy that's like, man, why are all the kids always texting yes, all the time? All the kids do is text all the time. You can't talk. I don't want to be that old guy, but there definitely is something in the air that's like, I'm an entrepreneur. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I do not know, but you should know, uh, you should know the risks. And I think there's the lost art in the world, or at least in America right now, is actually having a trade, a skill that you are really, really, really good at and you take pride in. And if you can make money, make a living, and pay for your motorcycles and snowmobiles and your house and your kids doing that, by God, you hit the jackpot. You know what I mean? But take pride in what you do. It's funny in America because, man, I feel like all we do is provide financial services. We're in it, so it's kind of silly saying that. But it's like this service industry that doesn't really do anything. Skilled labor, uh, some kind of trait that is unique to you is is what you got to have not just put on the business socks oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's funny it's like I, my brother down in arizona i was asking about that well we, i shouldn't say asking we were chatting and uh i was talking to him about um if america's um exports got shut down because of uh you know the corona and i was like what is it we actually export? Yeah, what the what we do we export anything? Yeah, what's up? What's our major export? And you know what it told me? What? Higher education. We that's our largest export is higher education. All the people around the world coming here for that's that not second, export. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. We're importing people to use the higher education. Exactly, and we're charging them a lot of money. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, and so and we don't really export like anything, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, we digress, but um, what are those called? Those those wallets? Those the the oh, thread wallets? We export those. <laughs> I mean, business socks. What am I wearing? I got what do I got on today. I got a pair of Lululemon socks on. There's a business. I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant jersey today. 
You know, that's my business attire. Yeah, you you look like a, a poster child for Lululemon, though, man. Like, that's what I... Hey, I got my Kobe shoes on, too. Did you see I broke those out? Oh. I dusted them off for my boy. Lakers played night. So, um, just wrapping up, I, you know... Reach out to those people around you, man. Go interview some some individuals. Find out just what in the hell you want to do. And uh, I'd love to chat with any any kids as well. Like I, I feel like there's some knowledge that we can uh, provide, even as silly as that may sound, because we're like kind of big children. But um, yeah, I think this has kind of been a good conversation. And what do you have to wrap up with? You know, just uh, what's our uh, takeaway? Our takeaway, honestly, is I, I think you put it best when you said don't pigeonhole yourself with anything. And I think that's that's the, the thing is sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves in being self-employed or being an entrepreneur or being a W-2 employee or going to college or anything like that. The one thing that I will say about like us in the mortgage industry is the thing that's made us successful and made it through 07, 08, 09 and even anything is being able to be pliable and as Wayne Gretzky said I you know uh, when somebody asked him why is it that you're always scoring goals he's like because I go where the puck's gonna be not where it was and that's where I think that's um, you have to be pliable don't allow yourself to be handcuffed to a certain way I mean I look at the way that we do mortgage that's totally changed over the last 20 years I mean in in its entirety yeah i mean i i did for the first seven years i looked like a businessman i looked like the businessman i had a tie i wore a suit every day i polished my shoes i shaved um i i still brush my teeth but i mean like you know i i i look homeless now and like i'm wearing a freaking t-shirt and you know anyway that's that's what I would say when you said uh, don't allow yourself to be pigeonholed. I think that is, uh, I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, the rigidity and being the ability to be malleable and conform to what uh, within your talents, within your traits and abilities, what what the market's doing. I mean, hell, we used to sit down with people and they actually sign things with a pen, and it was that way for five or six years, and then. I haven't met with a client face to face and had them sign something in years. Mm -hmm. And so that digital age, we used to, when we were uh, in our twenties, make fun of some of the older guys. Like, dude, he's just an old cat. He can't work with us. He can't like move and shake with us. And uh, so we kind of took that to heart. And I think that we've really tried to stay young, even though we're not, <laughs> but you have to do that uh, in business to, to remain I guess, valuable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, one takeaway that, uh, that I will say is, um, the, uh, the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership that might be true, but we're in a damn speedboat. That's right. That's awesome. Woo, woo, woo. I love the explosion, bro. That's so cool. Right at the end. Cool.